welcome to episode three of Acquiring Scale. This is your host, Gabriel Murillo. And on this episode, we have Tyler Gillespie. He is the Thinking Time Chief at Applause Lab, a done-for-you video testimonial service for B2B and SaaS companies. He has been involved in several content marketing agencies and recently sold his company. He also runs a productized service community of over 3,000 people. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. So yeah, we got a chance to meet in person just a few months ago in Medellin. And it sounds like you've been there for almost six to eight years. Yeah, close. I think the first time I came was yeah about eight years ago. And then it took a year or so to move down here full time and, and really came down, fell in love with it, been here ever since. So it's been, it's been great. So you saw your company, you're running now uh, online uh, digital service as well. So I know we're going to cover so many things, but I, I wanted to start with kind of like the whole mindset about why the, an internet-based business, of course, you got the freedom to travel and you are remote. You have the, the team all over the place. But yeah, I just want to chat about mindset and what made you decide to to go down that path. I think there was always a desire to want to travel and move around. So I was naturally attracted to creating a business that could fit inside um, that type of business model. So before I was doing more brick and mortar, real estate, vacation rentals, property management in Colorado. That's kind of the business my family's always been in. So naturally started doing that, but I realized really quickly that required me to be in one place. And I wanted to, yeah, just wanted to travel and do more things. I think a catalyst to a lot of this, like most people, you know, read the four hour work week. And literally, I think I've always been good at taking action. I think it was 30 days after I read that book, booked a trip to Costa Rica and was attempting to do run my vacation rental business from there, you know, and during the time internet wasn't great, et cetera. So I had all sorts of issues, but that was kind of the seed that was planted that originally kind of kicked off the, you could say travel bug, but more of just, yeah, wanting to move abroad and, and experience some different cultures. And so that was kind of the motivation. And then the mindset was just, how can I create an asset and a business that allows me to do this? And that's what kind of pushed me into the online world kind of headfirst. Yeah. And you also went to Chile for a few months. You went to an accelerator, but I don't know which one did you go to. I don't remember. Yeah. So I went to an accelerator called Exosphere. And that was in Santiago, Chile. I mean, that was definitely pivotal in my online kind of world because essentially you'd go, we were the first class. So the first one they actually did, I mean, it's a 12-week program. And every week they flew in a different expert. So it was kind of cool. And you learn from them. So everything from internet marketing to coding to course creation to, you know, AI to, you know, there was all sorts of things. So it really kind of let you dabble in a ton of different things. And every week you're building things, doing sorts of exercises. So I think, I don't know how many people applied to that, but only 30 got accepted. So that was a cool, cool experience. And honestly, still have a handful of those friends from that, you know, experience still to this day. So that, so that was really cool. Yeah. I love Santiago de Chile, man. I was there for almost a year and a half, two years 
and like you're saying, the the kind of connection that it's built in just a few months is it's kind of that like a college college experience in you know some level, but it's it's also the component yeah. of business. You're building friendships that are you know people that are working in a business or building something greater than just purely just a, a money making machine, right? So yeah. I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that are listening right now, they may be thinking, hey, what's my next thing? So just look out. There is actually this space that I, I'm I'm going to link in the comments, f6s.com. And in that platform alone, there's probably at least a thousand different incubators, um, accelerators, all kinds of different programs for entrepreneurs and people either remotely, of course, right now going through the crisis everything is remote, but I highly, highly recommend you guys check it out. So Tyler, I know cool. you, you like reading. I know you like systems a lot. So right now you're calling yourself the thinking time officer at Applause Labs. So tell us more about that. Yeah, I think, well, a lot of that philosophy and that name comes from a mentor afar. His name's Keith Cunningham. He wrote a book called, he's wrote various books, but The Road Less Stupid. And he has a process called thinking time. And that's kind of a philosophy I've tried to kind of run with and yeah, just spend more time. I mean, you hear guys like Warren Buffett, great leaders, they do a lot more thinking than one might think. Um, so it's really kind of the process and he's got a five-step framework you kind of go through, but allocating more time to think so you can spend more time designing, working on your business rather than in it problem solving problems and so i like to take that kind of philosophy to like whatever i'm doing and i'm trying to really encompass that title I and mean, anything that i'm working on especially in the businesses i have now is just yeah trying to solve problems and just really thinking through different scenarios and using his framework from that book which is which is a lot of fun to to grow and approach things in different ways so it, it's basically you coaching yourself with questions. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's great as well. That I mean, I've had thinking time. Typically, thinking a thinking time session is done by yourself, and you're taking questions through a framework, like probably 45 minutes to an hour, you know, three times a week. But I think it's amazing how often you get so caught up in whatever you're doing. Most people don't even have time for that. And... It's, it's so powerful as well. You can do it with, with your team. I found it actually really powerful to do with, you know, in a mastermind setting with one or two people as well. So I, I think it's, it's, it can be kind of applied in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Now that you mentioned masterminds, I know, are you part of DC? Yeah. Yeah. So Dynamic Circle, for those listening, if I recently joined, I think six months ago or something like that. And Really great community, but do you have any other insights in terms of running masterminds? I know you also run a community called Productized Services, a Facebook group with almost 3,000 people. I see you're very, very active, but what are some of your recommendations on, you know, when you join a mastermind, what would you like to see or have as a framework? Yeah, I think, I think it's a good question. I kind of approach it the same way if someone asked me, you know, for a good book recommendation. Typically, the first thing I'll ask them is, well, what do you want to learn, right? Because I could just tell you, read this book. And oftentimes people are like, oh, you got to read this book. But if it's not relevant to a skill set I'm trying to learn at the moment or a problem I'm trying to solve, 
you're just kind of consuming and you're not going to be able to apply it and it's not going to be as useful. So I think the same thing for masterminds. I've been involved in some that have been amazing and others that just haven't really, frankly, maybe were a waste of time. So I think first defining what do you want to learn? Like, what are you, what are you searching to get out of a mastermind setting? And then kind of search that out. I found that the more people in the mastermind that are doing what you're doing, uh, maybe, you know, 10 steps ahead, whatever that looks like, that's going to be, that's going to be the most valuable place for you to learn. I think if it's just a mastermind, that's got a variety of people in it from a variety of industries, it can be useful. I think there's always insights that people can have that are doing different things than you. But I think the most beneficial ones that I've experienced are very niche, very specific, smaller groups that are, yeah, 10 steps ahead of where exactly you want to be. So that's kind of a good filter to, to start with. Yeah. And, and so the one, the group that you are a part of that you lead right now with uh, somebody else, it's a productized service. So why don't we go ahead and tell a little bit about productized services. So what is a productized service or, or, or what is uh, that it means to you? Yeah, yeah. So I run a Facebook group with my buddy Robin. Um, it's just like you said, about 3,000 members now. And it's just all about productized services. So a productized service, in my mind, there's probably different ways to define it. But it's essentially um, taking what is a lot of pain associated with a traditional service business or agency or when you're trading time for money and you're repackaging what you do in a different way. So those services that you're offering are structured more as if you're selling a product. So let's say you offer, you know, copywriting, design service, Facebook ads. How could you structure that service that is typically, you know, an hourly type thing or trading time for money? And how could you package it as if if you were going to sell it, let's say, on the shelf at a store or on Amazon? How could someone just go and push push by and just buy it right off your site. So that's typically not how service businesses are structured. And that's why there's so much pain in scaling service businesses and running them is because they're just not scalable. But when you can think of it as you're selling a product and not a service, so i.e. productizing, that gives you almost, I would say, a light at the end of the tunnel. It allows you to now sell something that's more predictable, more scalable, so I don't know if that makes sense. The you know the price. You know, imagine if you if like something is on the shelf. You know, you're buying off Amazon. You what what can you see? You can see everything that's in it. You can see what it looks like. You can see the price. You pay up front for it. So all these things take into account, and that's kind of what we try to teach and help. Essentially, service businesses that already exist. Some are new, but they're in that transition phase, and they're typically are in the phase where they're not enjoying what they're doing and they're trying to figure out how can I better position what I'm doing. And that's kind of where productizing comes in. Since like now it's kind of blowing up and there's more people getting from the agency world, getting to know that model. And it's pretty interesting. Is there something that you think that it's what's working so far with productized services? Of course, like you're saying, the, the predictability, the consistency, the scalability. But what do you think is not working right now with, with the industry or the model of a productized yeah. service? Yeah, I think 
a lot of people are coming kind of to light, I would say, or just realizing that if they want to scale a service business, that's really, when you look at like service businesses that have scaled um, into the seven figures um, and beyond, like they have some elements of, of productizing their offer. So I think that's, you reach a point and I don't know exactly where that is, you know, that six figure, you know, low to mid six figure mark where you can piece a lot together, you know, but you start hitting some ceilings of, of what you're able to do and, and you're really not going to pass that point until you start systematizing what you're doing. So that's really what productizing is. It's really systematizing your offer and what you do and allowing you to kind of, for it to scale beyond yourself. Now, when you mentioned systems, that's another buzzword these days in online businesses. Like you got to build the system. I fell into that trap as well, where I wanted to systematize everything in my company. Of course, we got to a point that we were handling almost 200 clients a month. So it was worth it to have systems. But I got so obsessed with systems that it was almost annoying. <laughs> and yeah. the, the reality is that not all people are driven by that. And some people have even reaction, a negative connotation to systems. Do you have any thoughts about a good balance between systematizing everything versus allowing your team and, and even yourself? I think, especially with service businesses, and that's kind of what I specialize in, you're scaling people and technology, right? So you're kind of a blend between the two. You're, it's not a SaaS, you're not selling products, but you're essentially, yeah, selling a service and scaling people. So I think when you're building systems, you have to keep that in mind that most people aren't robots and it's a blend of, you know, here's what needs to be done and if it needs to be done consistently. But then also like I try to keep a lot of the SOPs and processes more of as dynamic as possible, if that makes sense. So it's more of some things are very clear. Here's what needs to be done. But then there's also things that leave your team, you know, more ambiguity to kind of dynamically do things. So it could be a set of frameworks and things like that. So it's less, you know, rigid, but it's still clear. Here's what needs to be done. Here's the end goal. And I've seen that work really well because you do have to kind of keep that in mind because if someone's just doing the same thing over and over again, hundreds of times a month, you know, they're going to burn out. So I've found that having more dynamic frameworks in place and rules, if then this, then that, that, that helps a lot as well. Trying to, instead of building traditional SOPs, which most people build once and no one actually looks at, (laughs) which is very common, is kind of capturing the processes. So doing that via like a loom video or et cetera for certain things that need to be done. So instead of creating a, a Google Doc or wherever your systems are that no one's really going to look at. You have more video-based instructions that are easier to create at the beginning and then as well easier to kind of digest and follow. And then your team can update those videos as well as you go on. So that's kind of how I how I look at it. I think that works really well, the systems mindset and just dynamic frameworks. I think one that works really well, especially when you have a big team, because what happens a lot of times, you it's very common to get pulled back in when you create a system. Like someone's like, okay, well, now what do I do? Or 
how do I do this now? And you just created the system, hired someone else to do it. And then you find yourself getting pulled back in constantly to help that person that should be doing it to begin with. And one thing I've found that works really well is called a system called three solutions. So essentially anyone you hire, no matter where they're at in the spectrum of your organization is before they come to you with a problem, they have to actually bring three solutions of their own before they can uh, bring it to you. So that helps empower your team. And then they start requiring you less and less because now they're problem solving on their own. Oftentimes they know what to do, but they maybe lack the confidence to do it without your approval. So that's been a huge one to off, like, you know, outsource and just delegate more without being pulled back into the, the machine, if that makes sense. I know we, we diving into these topics, but I wanted to offer some context as well. So I did mention in the intro that you have been involved with several content marketing companies and online businesses. And right now you're building Applause Lab, but you also built with a partner and saw an online company. So I would love to share more about that journey, especially the emotional process, like the decision process of saying, you know what, it's time to sell. We want to exit right now. We want to do this uh, next thing in our life or just want to expand on that process. Yeah. So my ex-business partner and I, we actually started the company in, in Medellin from a coffee shop five years ago. And it started out as a traditional agency and it was something awesome that we kind of put our energy into and it transformed into kind of a really productized content creation service for SaaS companies and brands where we created like longer form, higher quality um, pieces of content every month for a lot of businesses. And I think we reached a point towards the end. It was just when you run something for, I think, five years and literally we had gotten to the point where it was running itself and him and I were just working two hours a month on this business, having like weekly teaming, team calls and check-ins because we had everything kind of built, had a great team in place running everything. And I think it's funny because you, you want to build your machine and your business so you're not doing anything. But then when you get there, you realize that you're bored and you want to do something. So it's kind of one of those things. But yeah, no, that was, it was fun. And I think we both decided like, hey, let's, let's you know, try to do something new. And that sparked conversation of, okay, well, like, what does it look like maybe to sell the business? And then that sparked us, okay, well, let's go see what this is worth, you know? And it kind of was this domino effect of like, okay, now it's, it's actually worth a lot more than we thought it was. And I think for service businesses, especially, they traditionally don't get very high multiples for various reasons. But again, back to why you should productize when you can productize your business and position it more of having like a SaaS model. You've got recurring revenue, predictable revenue, everything's, you know, credit cards on file. It's now all of a sudden changes the dynamic of like what that business is worth. And people, you know, are attracted to that compared to like a traditional agency. So yeah, I mean, we essentially listed it with a broker. And then within, I think it was less than 60 days from us listing, you know, I think we had over a hundred and something inquiries week one, week two, 10 calls, week three, five offers. And then we went with all cash offer and closed in, I think, 45 days after that. 
so the process was just kind of a whirlwind to be honest and yeah it was definitely fun i think it was wasn't anything we wasn't like we planned for that to happen at that point in time but we always built the business kind of following that e-myth built to sell type of mindset where like cool let's just build it like this because one it's easier to run getting us to two hours a month but at the same time all that compounded into something that made the business a lot more attractive to someone wanting to buy if that makes sense as well but dude it was a roller coaster man i think even when you have something an loi and you're going through due diligence you don't know like up until like the last couple days we didn't even know if like this was going to close you know because you know, a good buyer is always going to be trying to get the best price and beat you up a little bit, you know, through that, the, that thing. And since that was kind of our first big sale, like those negotiations and just, we weren't really sure up until kind of that last call, you know, we were supposed to have closing, you know, is this actually going to go through? And luckily, you know, everything did, but it was, uh, it was a roller coaster to say the least. And I can't imagine, I mean, we closed really quickly, right? So, you know, 60 days is pretty fast compared to, you know, some people might be in that cycle for six months and you are, it's, it's tough because you're distracted. You're not really running the business. You're definitely not focusing on growth. So hopefully when you decide to sell, the business is running itself because the emotional side of just selling the business in general is going to take you it's just going to take so much energy and time and that can almost like be a downside if, if you're really involved in your business, you know? I know um, one of the main elements that you mentioned when, when we chat last time, it was elements of success for, for that deal to come through. It was the clear financial structure that you guys have using yeah. methodologies like profit first. But before we, we jump into that, I wanted to step back and, and, chat more about that emotional decision process, just because from a lot of folks that I know personally, they will want to sell the company eventually, but there's a fear of letting go. There's a fear of like where you're saying, what am I going to do with my, my time? And they feel that that company first, they feel that the company is worth millions of dollars, which you and yeah. I do understand now that the evaluation method methodology for online businesses is typically on a net profit multiples so but what why do you think it's it's kind of like the top three things that you should be looking at when um taking the decision of like okay i'm going to let go of my business what happens next you know what would you like to have done before in order to even plan a better exit? Is it having another business? Is it clarity on your trip that you're going to take? I don't know if this exists, but it'd be funny if there was actually like an exit therapist, you know, <laughs> that you could go to, like, I'm going to sell my business. So go talk to this person. They're going to kind of walk you through what the journey is going to be. That'd probably be a good business in itself because it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it would be really valuable. But I think looking back, I mean, we did a lot of things right, which was good leading up to it. But I think, it, like, I, like I mentioned, ensuring one would be ensuring that the business doesn't require you when you go to sell it, like a lot of your time, because you're going to need to allocate so much energy and time to just the sales process. What happens to a lot of people is 
typically when they're trying to sell, their business suffers and goes down, right? Um, during that time, because they're so disconnected, they're out of the business, they're kind of in their mind, like, this is already sold. And if your business is declining during the due diligence process, like that just gives the buyer more ammunition to be like, hey, you're, you know, you're actually the revenue is not the same as it was when we started this process. So I think, yeah, making sure that you're, the business is doing its thing and, and if anything, growing without you so you can allocate your time. The second thing would be, you know, have something else lined up, like a second project, something that you can kind of transition your time into. Because I think what where a lot of people struggle is going from something to nothing. That's really, really hard, you know, because you're, you're invested into something. You've been working on a business for five plus years, whatever it is. You know, then all of a sudden you sold and you have all this money. The last thing you want is to have a ton of money and not be making any money, <laughs> you know, because then it, there's a whole other like psychological thing that happens, I think, when you're in that kind of position. So I think for me, like I had a another little side business that I was able to invest a little bit of my energy into that I think kept me sane after the sale for that exact reason, because you go from, you know, you know, kind of, you know, getting by, doing your thing, building a business for five years. And then all of a sudden you go to having a ton of money in the bank and you're not making any money and don't have anything to do. So I think there's, I mean, I think that there's definitely people that have like talked about that. I don't think it's like mentioned enough. It's definitely like one of those like good problems to have, but it's still, yeah, hundred percent still is, I think from a psychological point of view and just, it is a, you know, something that I think not a lot of people talk about, you know? So now to shift gears, I know we chat about productized services. Now you have been focused on launching this new company, Applauslop. So why don't you share more of what it is that you guys do and why Applauslab? So Applauslab is, I mean, in its essence, a done-for-you video testimonial service. I think for me, it's something I wish we had when we were growing our, our previous company. And... Yeah, it just was kind of a natural in for something that was looked like it was a fun productized service to kind of dive into. I love social proof. I love customer journey, customer experience. And I wanted to make it really easy for people to be able to capture those experiences because typically it's you've got a lot of like do it yourself offers or software, you know, that's still not, you know, that cheap. Or you have on the flip side, like, you know, video crews that go to your, your customer's office, film, like very expensive options. So there was nothing in the middle that I could find that existed that allowed just normal businesses to capture this type of content really easy. So that's kind of why I was born and, and dude, just really enjoying it. I think every day I'm just kind of, you're in that, that zone of, you know, capturing other people's successes and talking with happy customers. So it's a, it's a very cool cool business to be a part of and, and work on growing as well. I know you, that's the primary focus right now, but you also went, you know, you went through the journey of selling the company, but you also went on the other end on trying to buy other companies as well. So, you know, this marketplace out there is different brokers. And so is that something that you still kind of like having a vision of buying other businesses in, in the yeah. future, building a portfolio? Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I think I looked for a period of time after I sold my last business, trying to find something to, to buy 
but I, I kind of took a step back. I didn't want to rush into it. You know, I couldn't find, I didn't find anything that was, that felt right. But I did go through the process of just going through that kind of evaluating businesses, which I think is a great exercise. And I think that's what led me to starting a Applause Lab was, you know, okay, I don't want to rush into anything right now, but I want to do something. I want to invest my energy into something. So that's when I kind of started that. But still on the side, yeah, I'm looking for other service businesses, essentially kind of staying in my lane of that I can acquire, which from a like an overview, like chess move perspective, that's why I also started that Facebook group. Because I know when you're looking for deals, one of the hardest things is actually deal flow. When you're competing against a ton of other investors, you're just not going to get the same deals as if, you know, you could find something off market. So it was more of a strategy where like, hey, how can I hone my craft, stay in my lane, be a part of a group where I can add a lot of value, but then also have exposure to a ton of different productized services, the exact companies that I would want to buy or invest in. And so that was kind of the motivation originally with that group. And it's actually been awesome because now I've just building tons of great relationships with, I mean, productized services I would have never even thought existed that are, you know, crushing it, you know, very profitable. And, you know, I think when you can build up, you know, those relationships and social capital in a group setting like that, then now you have the opportunity that to find those off market deals or invest in certain companies that a lot of people wouldn't. So I feel like that's also a good strategy for, you know, if you want to find off market deals, because I think that's a whole other realm of, of acquiring companies, you know? So you're building relationships. It's, it's kind of the main reason and the main focus with the group. I really, really enjoy a lot of the things that you guys share in that group. And I also noticed a lot of people thanking you for, you know, sharing your knowledge and your time. And, and I know there's goodwill in there. There's also some contribution you, you enjoy doing and helping other people. Have you ever considered even doing any consulting or any, I know Robin, it's launching a productized services training and I actually bought it and I recommend it for you guys listening. If you don't know what a productized service is, I'll leave the link here in the show notes for you to check out that, that training. But I'm curious to know if you are even thinking of doing any consulting, group coaching or anything like that. Yeah, it's always been kind of something I have put some energy into. I haven't decided to like make it like a full thing, but to answer your question, I, I do do some consulting with a handful of people, but it's more very selective. I have something I kind of productize a consulting offer for like an operations audit. There's one where I'll go through your whole business and help kind of bring a fresh pair of eyes to make it make your business service business run a lot more efficiently. So that's something I've been doing. And then also I have something I'm playing with, which is kind of a, another offer, which is kind of a consulting offer where I'm like your virtual board member, where once a month we'll strategize and do some thinking time sessions around some of your biggest problems. So yeah, working with a handful of people there, I, I do like that. But as far as like building a personal brand, launching a consulting business and doing that, I don't know if that's necessarily... I think what I what I like to do, but I am actually going to do a couple modules in Robin's course for productized startups as well. So I mean, I am excited about that. So those are always fun things, man. I think giving back and sharing sharing insights there is 
is a lot of fun. Anything else that you would like to share about product guys services or anything that you think people should know about the industry and what we're going through right now with the crisis? Of course, there's a lot of fear, people wanting to pivot and change their models. So any suggestions in terms of business model and productized services and industry? No, I think there's a lot to <laughs> unpack there, but I think productized services are great service businesses in general, uh, especially if you've been laid off and are looking to do something. Out of any of the business models, they're probably one of the fastest to start up. I think if you're going to start a service business, being aware and at least knowing the productized model, because I think it's not going to hurt you to structure your business that way and productize from the beginning. So I think that that's a good step, especially if you're looking to start something or, or start, you know, learning a new skill or service and, you know, structuring it the right way will really help. But there's so many other little things you could probably do. I think right now it's trying to maximize and or minimize your the lack of cash flow in your business, if, if that makes sense. Because I think the one th- the only thing that's going to put you out of business is if you run out of cash. So I think as far as the crisis goes, is really looking and strategizing to make sure that that doesn't happen. I think that could be applied to to any business. So it's trying to make sure you have as long of a runway as possible and looking at your business and model and everything to ensure that that is, that is the case, you know? Yeah. Staying positive. And I know this may be yeah. the time to, to learn, to study, to put some thought, like you're saying, thinking time. <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah. Thinking time. I absolutely love that. And I'm going to take it. I, I read the book, which I recommended as well. I have not get into a weekly habit of thinking. I'm doing it once a month at least, and it's been great. So I've been wanting to do it on a personal level. But yeah, I just want to finish up and just close in terms of your personal development. So you do a lot of this thinking for growing the business and this community things that you're doing, helping other people, consulting. But in terms of your personal growth, are you applying any strategies or, or practices to grow as well? Well, I think thinking time can be applied personally or also business-wise. It's really just comes down to the types of questions you ask. So I think, yeah, just working that, I'm really trying to take this time. Obviously, we all have so much more time at our homes with family, et cetera. And yeah, just I'm personally trying to work on family, deepen relationships, really kind of, you know, stay active. So really just trying to keep those things really well-rounded. And I think now more than ever, I mean, I was talking to family members, my sisters, brothers, like leverage this time to really learn and, you know, not just watch Netflix all day because, yeah, the world's changing and, you know, things are going to be very different. And if anything, this is kind of a glimpse into kind of how things will be, you know, especially from a remote work set, like point of view, you know. Is there anything else that you would like to, to share with the audience before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, they could check out Applause Lab, and that's one of the projects I'm working on. And then I think the Productized Startups Facebook group would probably be the best place because that's where I'm collaborating. That's where maybe you could go if you're interested more in productized services, etc. So those would probably be the best placement. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Talk to you soon. <laughs>